it was only when I started to connect and feel and be awake in my body that I began to even have a concept of all of the ways that I had been out of it and hating it and blaming it and had been mm. at war with it. Mm. And recognizing, oh my God, what I was doing to myself right. by how I was not relating to my body. And so, you know, I, I want to insert that like at this, like right away as we sort of begin with this acknowledgement that how we relate to our bodies is so much about how they look, but the real, the real juice, the gold is in how we relate to what we feel. And that that is our greatest intelligence. Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are, with me as your host, Sarah Poet. Now, if the word sacred is throwing you a little bit, that's okay. Have you had that moment as a modern woman where you went, wait, I left something of myself back there along the way? Well, if so, then you're already on a path of sacred remembering and you're actually in the right place. We know that modern women are rising, but we don't do it by fighting. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. And here in this space, we remember together through stories and tools and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Now let's begin. Janet Farnsworth inspires people to bust through old beliefs of shame and blame and instead connect to the body as a source of wisdom, pleasure, and joy. Janet is the founder of The Practice of Now, Let Love Move You, a movement therapy practice designed to heal and nurture people's relationships with their bodies. She's also the author of the number one Amazon bestseller book, Love Your Body, The Guide to Stop Making Your Body a Battleground, which is a how-to read for anyone who is ready to feel empowered and at peace with their body. A personal survivor of the blame game, Janet currently resides in Austin, Texas, where she currently enjoys the challenge of finding ways to wake up each morning and be glad in the body that she actually has, particularly the stretch marks on her stomach and the cellulite on her thighs. When she is not trying to hug her almost adult children, Janet loves being on almost any boat, watching old movies, and eating buttered toast. One or all three of those together. Such a joy. Welcome, Janet. Hi, Janet. Welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. Mm, Thank you, Sarah. It's so delicious to be here with you. It's so good to be meeting you here and in this space. And I really look forward to this conversation about the body. Mm. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. right away, you use that word remembering as your invitation to your podcast. And um, I wish I could take credit for it. But one of my teachers, uh, Vin Marti, many, many years ago, amplified that exact word, which is to re again, member, right? To connect again to the parts of ourselves, which to me, of course, begin with the body. 
Um, and so it's so glorious, like right at the beginning to be like, yes, let's remember. Yes. Yes. Thank you for that. Thank Mm. you for that. And when I was reading, you know, we exchanged some emails and some questions in preparation Mm. for the podcast. And as soon as I was reading your answers, the title that arose for this podcast was Mm. finding peace with your body. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't something that we had named directly, but that really felt resonant in in what I was reading on your website and in your questions. Yes. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that, that you said that and that you came to that because, you know, when I wrote my book and I had to come up with a title, there's this whole process of, you know, how do you convey quickly and directly some, the big dream come true, you know, and, you know, the name of my book is, is love your body. And as a survivor of someone who has not, and who has definitively been about the opposite of love in many phases of my life, it felt somehow artificial when I first used that expression. Like, love your body? I mean, even just that concept, it was like an anathema to me. It was, mm. it was uncomfortable. It felt so untrue and unattainable. Even as I say that, I feel like these tears come up for me of remembering that part of myself. Right. And so you know, really for so many of us, and 97% of women would change one part of their bodies if they could. 97%. So if I were to ask you now, like, if you had a magic wand, what would you change in your body? 97% of us would have at least one thing come to mind. Yeah. You know, oh, I'll make my yeah. nose smaller, whatever it is, you know? Right. And so love your body feels for so many of us so far out of the ballpark that really to just conceptualize the possibility of being at peace with it feels so rich to me and feels so real as a possibility of, oh, I just want to not fight with it. Right. So I want to speak the subtitle to your book Mm, or, or would you please speak the subtitle to your book? And, and I Yes. Well, you know, it's, it's the guide to stop making your body a battleground. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that right there, I want to say, so there's this little noise probably being picked up in this podcast and it's my little kitten and she's just like (laughs) having the best time. And um, so that's what we're going to just hear her today. She's like, yay, bodies. We're going to talk about an animal. (laughs) One of my mentors and teachers, in fact, my real life mentor would talk very explicitly about cats. Cats are all about self-care. Cats are all about, I love myself so much. I haven't, I mean, you know, like I lick my own fur because I just want to take care of myself no matter what. So I think it's glorious. (laughs) Yes. There's like animal noise is coming through this podcast as we talk about I was sitting with my friend, um, Jamie yesterday, and she was saying like, I have a panther tattooed on my body because cats remind me mm. that they're powerful and they rest. They're powerful and they rest. You know, so yes. as, women, as women, like we're powerful and we rest. Right. Yes. So, so, so. <laughs> cat interlude. <laughs> exactly. Cat interlude. Oh, so, okay. 
I was about to, I was about to do an audience say we won't even go to like the whole pussy hat thing. Oh yeah. Like, maybe later. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. So I want to go back to the body being a battleground because, mm. um, or, or how we make the body a battleground so often, because I think this is just so powerful. And mm. on your website, it says transform your body from battleground to a source of bliss. And I'll just start by sharing a little personal story here. I know that you have personal stories to share too, but it was a mm. few years ago. Um, so I always had gut issues. I've always had gut issues, slimmer dietary, you know, whatever. Like I could come up with a thousand reasons I have gut issues. Primarily, I had a child when I was um, 18, 19 years old, and I didn't get to raise her. Mm. And so I was like this young woman with this body who had become, my body had become a woman's body. I didn't have any uh, roadmap for how to work with that. My stomach was huge. Like I delivered a nine pound baby and I weighed, you know, like 125 or something at that time Mm -hmm. in my life. And my stomach never went back to looking like a young woman's. Like I looked like a woman's body, you know, from that point forward as, as birthing a child will do, but I didn't have the child. Mm. Um, She was adopted. And so it began this dysmorphic, you know, relationship with my body and my belly and that womb space. And I, it manifested into many, many medical issues along the way. And I, and I was thinking like, well, what's wrong with my stomach? And then it took me over a decade, like well over a decade to really come into relationship with what was really happening. Mm-hmm. And about three, four years ago. Yeah. I realized, and I was like, I had gone through a divorce and I was dating again. And the, it was so incredibly uncomfortable to date with this situation in my belly. Mm -hmm. And I realized through a dating relationship that I was at absolute war with my own stomach. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it took, I mean, I think my daughter was like 14 by that point. Like it, it, it was a long time. Yeah. And But the battleground, like that word battleground, I think for that reason just stands out to me because that moment that I realized as a conscious adult woman, oh my God, I'm at war with my own body. Yes. Was Mm. really pivotal. Mm. So first of all, thank you for sharing that because I think one of the ways that we liberate each other is by speaking truth and by sharing our vulnerable, authentic selves. Right. And so we'll come back to that in a moment. So just first, thank you. And I think that, you know, that actual, that particular body part, I mean, statistically for so many of us is one of the places that we have the greatest vulnerability. I can share with you right away. I know that that has been one of my greatest battlegrounds as the mother of two births or babies, stomach stretching experiences. Yeah. And then before the babies, the vulnerability of having that touched, the relentless right. images of flat stomachs and taut abs, the relentless, the endless uh, advertisements and invitations to, uh, you know, to get strong and toned, and, you know, and then, oh my God, the Victoria's Secret models with those tiny bikini bottoms way down below their belly buttons. You know, I think it's only been in the last few years that I would dare to consider wearing something below my belly button. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was 15, <laughs> you know, 
because it didn't look and have the experience of what it was supposed to. And, you know, I think that it is one of the most vulnerable parts of our bodies for, you know, so many reasons. So, I mean, thank you, like right off the bat for bringing into the conversation that raw vulnerability of physically, just, just that, just the belly, you know? Yeah. And well, uh, and I just lift, yeah, I lift that up to say that there, here's a story about the body being seen yes. as ground, you know? Yes. And, and I, yes. I yes. hear yours. Yeah. Yes. Well, no, and so, and so I'm just right away, like I'm saying, yes, like I know what it is. Yeah. I, you know, with, with a lover, to, I would put my hand on my belly to kind of try to move the stretch marks up or to make it look flat, mm-hmm. you know, or drape artfully to cover that part that I felt so much shame and discomfort with. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a feeling that I think many of us have, if not the belly, you know, the thighs or the cellulite or something of such story about how we relate to it. Mm-hmm. And then the richness for me, you know, then is what you just talked about, about you just use the word pivot. That, you know, you had 14 years of being at war with it. And, you know, and I, and of course, in the conversation, I have a question and a curiosity about then what made it change. And, um, and you know, you don't have to share that specifically. I mean, I can, I can tell you about me. But you know, to me, the the rich, the juice is in. So, what made it change, and how did it change, right? Um, and and then what that then leads to, um, right? Which to me is the goal of the battle, <laughs> right? Well, I think when there's when we realize that suffering that we are creating for ourselves. You know, there are a couple of options. Like we could continue suffering. We could go into a shame spiral. We could, you know, double up on the self-hatred mm-hmm. for having mm-hmm. the suffering in the first place. And then there's there's the opportunity for the self-love that you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. And with awareness, I think the compassion is available. So, yes. And so can I, now it's funny, you invited me as we were beginning to just speak what's on my heart. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pivot for a moment and then share something very specifically, if I may. Of course. Which which is, you know, the conversation about how we look is only the gateway into the real conversation, which is how we're relating to ourselves. Mm. And so because we live in a visual world, And because we're surrounded by concepts of how we look, that's sort of our saturation point. But it's actually only a reflection of something much more profound and much more significant, which is simply how we're relating to ourselves, capital S. And the experience of ourselves is in our bodies. And, you know, the, the question of how I personally have been overcoming, I'm not done. I mean, I have days where I can... Consciously, I'm so aware, like I'm pulling my waistband up below, uh, above my big fleshy, overstretched stomach skin, you know, mm-hmm. process. But the way that I have begun to finally be able to relate to that part of myself actually did not have, have anything to do with what I would tell myself or what my experience of in terms of what I looked like. 
Mm. It had everything to do with simply how I was relating to my body. Yeah. And that is my personal story about being an assault survivor. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at a very young age, I was assaulted by a family member. And it was only one time that I can remember, and I forgot it for 30 years. Wow. Once was enough. Once was enough to learn immediately, swiftly, profoundly that my body was not a safe place to be. My body was not a place of security or comfort or pleasure. It was a place to hurt. And so I got the hell out of it. Mm. I dissociated as fast as I could and spent really an entire lifetime until I was 40 avoiding it. Mm. Now, while I was avoiding it, I was also making sure it looked good. And, uh, and I had all kinds of ideas about what that was like. And, and oh my Lord, I was a, I was a feminist and I was, you know, fighting the good fight. I was, I was working with women and survival uh, assault survivors. I mean, I was a social worker working in a sexual assault, uh, treatment program. And I was still on some deep level, really disconnected from what I felt that not really wanting to be in my body, it didn't feel good. Right. And in that way, you know, this feeling of being in sometimes is just being in a sense of disconnection. And, um, so sure. I had the thoughts of shame about my stomach or my cellulite or, you know, before the children and then after the children and all of that, that interacting with my self Two words, capital S. Um, And it was only when I started to connect and feel and be awake in my body that I began to even have a concept of all of the ways that I had been out of it and hating it and blaming it and had been Mm. at war with it. Mm. And recognizing, oh my God, what I was doing to myself by how I was not relating to my body. And so, you know, I, I want to insert that like at this, like right away as we sort of begin with this acknowledgement that how we relate to our bodies is so much about how they look. But the real, the real juice, the gold is in how we relate to what we feel. And that that is our greatest intelligence. And it's so beautiful to me that we're having this conversation inside your container of this podcast of the divine, sacred, feminine, like awakening to the women that we are. Right. Because the women that we are exists in the bodies that we have. Right. It cannot be be any other way. Until we have, and I love fantasy and science fiction, and I love Harry Potter, and I love that moment where they have like the flu powder and they throw it in the <laughs> place or the whatever it is, the, the telephone booth, and we can yeah. just, you know, move like go and there. go yeah. and like change and just dissolve. Our experience of ourselves is, is finite and fixed and biological. I mean, we are in our bodies all the time. No right. matter what. Right. We can't escape body, it. Right. The body is holding all of that awakened self. There can be no other way. Right. And I love all of the science that's emerging as well to support the the reclamation, the remembering that we know is happening oh, um, yes. with the feminine. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, 
the the memories are contained in our cellular DNA. Yes. Um, <laughs> so we're coming into our lives mm-hmm. with with just thousands of years of women's bodies being Mm. oppressed, Mm -hmm. repressed, Mm -hmm. mistreated. And so it's something that our bodies are carrying that we remember and the reclaiming of the body. Now this really wants to be said, if we're reclaiming in present time, Mm -hmm. we are healing the Mm -hmm. DNA and the cellular and we're healing backwards and forwards. We're healing it, you know, for our grandmothers as well as our granddaughters. Yeah. Oh my God. Sarah, if you could see me, I literally have my hands up. I'm like, testify, <laughs> sister. Testify. And right. Yes, 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 yeah. And I just want to throw in for those listeners who are not familiar with this concept of epigenetics. Yes. You know, Sarah, what you're referring to is literally the science, you know, that good fixed linear understanding of what's right in front of us that we can you know, that we can evaluate and, and, um, and trace there underneath the microscope. We understand that actually the DNA of our past is in the DNA of our present, literally, yes. right? Yeah. And so, and we add in the understanding of now we, the neuroplasticity of the brain, that what we create in the moment actually changes biology. We actually can Correct. think over time, deep, profound experiences. And by that way, that actually links to emotion. We actually know that the bigger the, the experience in the moment, the bigger and the more immediate the brain will change. You combine those two things and it is actually a physical scientific fact that who you are today changes who you've been in all of your DNA from the past, and you will then recreate what's going to be in the future. So living fully in the physical moment that you're in actually is liminally connected to infinite truth. Right. It's that big and important. It's that (laughs) big of a deal. Yes. Yes. I'm like, go Speaking, <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, we cannot bypass the body. Like mm-hmm. as a young girl, mm-hmm. um, you know, my mother, she was very accomplished. She mm-hmm. knew how to get things done. She had three mm-hmm. children. She was, you know, like a couple credits short of a doctorate. I mean, she was mm-hmm. just on it all the time, mm-hmm. and what my mother taught me about my body because it's what she knew about her body because it's what her mother and grandmother was suppress it, suppress sensations, Mm. deny the truth of the body, get up and do what needs to be done. And so, yeah, I have this memory of being a fourth grader and I was like, I was so, I was stressed. I was feeling stress in my body and um, my body was like, I will not participate in this anymore. And I mm. remember not having words for this. And my mother mm. was like, get up and go to school. And I was like, I can't, you know, yeah. but it took me well into my twenties to begin mm. to reclaim that and to acknowledge oh that God. my body is telling me something yeah. that I must listen to. Oh my God. I want to, I'm crying right now. Yes. yes. (laughs) Right. So, you know, for me, like that's how it started. I was like, you know, I'm actually going to start to listen. So I'm wondering like when you're working with women and, and, Mm -hmm. and 
mm-hmm. this process of reclamation mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and loving the self oh. and coming back to the self. Like, God, where yeah. do you start? Where oh you my start God. With women? Oh, where do I start? Where <laughs> we are. We start where we are. And we do the fierce and courageous and warrior's work of sustaining our curiosity and our compassion. Mm. I mean, literally. Because when you describe being in fourth grade, it's just like, yes. You know, some of, some of the, the suppression of the body is socializing. Mm-hmm. You know, go to the bathroom here. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, okay, there's something functional in it, right? And stick out your hand and say, how do you do to the uncle that you really don't like? Smile at your boss because that will get you the effect that you are needing or wanting. And so, you know, we start with these kind of raw needs to suppress and then it slides into the thousands of ways that we accommodate how we feel. Yeah. You know, I, and I, and I'm going to answer very explicitly more. And I just want to add in again, you know, I had that because, because we're chatting here, we're having like, we're having a nice talk. Yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 I wanted to share, you know, I had this experience this last week cause I am dating and I'm a yogi and I love the practice of yoga and this beautiful soul floated into my life who is, you know, a lifelong meditator and is for me, you know, spiritually connected, which is my single most important truth. And um, he's a very light eater. In fact, he fasts once a week and this just agitated the shit out of me. <laughs> I want to know more. <laughs> and like, you know, we'd cut, we would make this like stir fry and he would cut these tiny little pieces of carrots. And because of course, you know, lightness in the body, lightness in the spirit. Wow. And I was like this, speaking of can, animals and cats, I had this fierce like, <laughs> don't take my food away from me. Yeah. Because part of my story is having been both anorexic and uh, a, a, an eater to soothe. I have worked so hard to to embrace my hunger mm-hmm. and to embrace the fact that I like to eat. I love food. And you know and you know and it's funny even as I say that out loud the sweetness of just hearing the podcast because my socialized mind goes, "Oh, is Janet fat?" You know, I mean and <laughs> and like watch like the things that are over and over and so I'm not going to tell you what size I am, but I'm going to tell you <laughs> <laughs> that I know what it is to starve my body into submission and into making it look right. Mm-hmm. And I also know what it is to eat past even the wanting because I am in so much pain mm-hmm. and to be covered in, in, in places is a lot safer than to not. Yeah. So, so, so how does one then survive all of that, right? How do I learn to even understand when I'm actually hungry, when I actually want to eat to soothe, when I want to reclaim my, my desire to eat or my fear of eating, and it's so complicated, yeah. I just stop and I pause the moment that I'm in and I cultivate the, the fierceness of my own witness. And then once I do that, I then bring in love, not from the head, but from the just being. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that sounds like, okay, how to do that? Well, 
all you need to do is just breathe. Yeah. Cause, because breath is an act of love. Doesn't care what you look like. Doesn't care what size you are or what you ate for dinner last night. It thinks you're valuable enough to sustain and support you and then wash you out no matter what you are, do, or look like. Mm. So just to be in the moment yeah. with compassion yeah. is so, everything. Thank you. Hey, it's Sarah, the host here at the Sacred Remembering Podcast and the creator of Embodied Breath, where I use trauma-informed coaching and healing methodologies to help you live into your full truth so you can be who you desire to be in the world. I believe that every woman has a truth that she's not yet telling and that to own that truth first to herself and then maybe to the world changes and even saves her life. At sarahpoet.com, you'll find trauma-sensitive tools, practices, meditations, my TEDx for modern women, an e-course to help you shift from silence into your sacred truth, my blog with more stories, and links to working with me personally in various durations if that's for you. You can schedule a consultation at sarahpoet.com. Everything changes when we align with the truth of who we are, when we own that truth and claim a path of sacred remembering. I believe it is the formula for everything from personal to global change. Thank you for being here and being a part of that change. Now, here's today's guest. Yeah, and then, you know, to go back to that thing that we were saying about, you know, in the DNA in the moment, the physical moment, so exists the infinite, it also exists as an energetic truth. You know, that in this moment, right, and so many of us that are on this awakening path understand this or have some inkling of it, that when we can just be fully in the present, we're actually in the whole world. We're in the galaxy. We're an infinite, spacious, non-linear truth, right, in which there's total love, total joy and peace and i would then offer your whole self yeah right right your infinite self that knows everything all of the wisdom right it's just right here in you right now yes and in that place there's full self-acceptance there is no yes. shame yeah yeah like right. all of the things that we're running from or yes. wanting to fix about ourselves don't exist right there in the beauty and the pleasure of the breath and the present moment. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I'll add on for so many, for those of us, which is probably all of us that can't suddenly just sit and feel like, Oh, I'm in that infinite truth. Yes. The practice that I, that I teach the practice that many different practices teach in different names and different guises is that when you actually just be in the moment and actually start to accept all of that is, you, by definition, are actually starting to open up. There's a layer in actually the Vedic tradition called the Vijnaya Kosha. It's a sheath. 
that um, that's porous, and we have layers of ourselves, and that witness, that Vishnumaya, that sheath, which is the witness, is actually like it's like there's a diffusion, there's an, osmos- an osmosis between letting your ego, your witness mind, then connect to what you feel, the fullness and the entirety of that, including I feel fat, I feel afraid, I feel ugly, I feel angry, I feel sad, I whatever is, if I can just start to observe that. That that feeling self, that's that whole you. Mm-hmm. And so by witnessing and then allowing and feeling compassion, mm-hmm. that thing that you're witnessing actually is actually opening you up into that sense of bliss and peace and joy. Yes. It's a process. And so, you know, if you're like, I don't really get it, right? It's a practice. Right. Right. <laughs> so right. you either join me or you do the other things or you find some way, but it's, it's that. It's not about, I, I'm going to sit here and feel good. It's about, I'm going to sit here and feel I am this. Yes. Right. And as I'm sitting here and my eyes are closed and I'm feeling into what you're saying, you mm. know, I want to go back for women, uh, you know, so often when we're taught to meditate or be in the presence of now, it, it seems like a mental spiritual endeavor. Yeah. Like that's where we go with that, right? Like, what is my mind doing? And am I getting God? <laughs> like, am, yes, I, right. am I tapping right. in? Right? right. Like right. those are our right. measures. But, um, okay. So I'm going to bring in like, there's physical, emotional, mm. mental, spiritual mm-hmm. layers of our being all the time. Mm-hmm. And to, to notice like when I teach, uh, presencing, Mm-hmm. With the women that I work with, we go into the body first. Like, where mm-hmm. are you in time and space? Can you feel and notice the matter of you, the the body, the weight of you, mm-hmm. and know that you're supported? And so really bringing in the body into that presencing, I, you are definitely saying that. I'm saying it differently. Yeah, 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 please. Yes. It's, yeah. It's, 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 or in addition to, yeah, exactly. Um, because when we've come with that, we're not abandoning the awareness of the body or the awareness of the emotions, even if we're in the suffering. We're bringing yeah. it all and being present with it all. Yes. Oh, that's and, Yes. I'm sorry. I got excited. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm done. I'm (laughs) I'm just going to say, but that's a beautiful bridge back to your um, baby belly and my stretch marks and the extra skin that when we tolerate and care about how we are, it becomes the, the gateway to liberation. Yeah. And, what I, and what I mean by that is, and I was curious, like I wanted to ask you, so what happened after those 14 years? Like, mm-hmm. you know, that when we meet ourselves as we are, it becomes the teacher. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I, when I, uh, at 40 woke up in my body and that's mm-hmm. the, you know, that is this, the practice of now let love move you, you know, this, 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 this mm-hmm. actual physical somatic practice to kind of give a little knock to your body like hey hi you know there's some i'm in here <laughs> um that when there's you know that that moment of awakening mm-hmm. or connection then the things that are making us suffer become our guides oh yeah so that you know it really is like where the crack is where the light comes through yeah. You know, where there's, I mean, and it's like, it's not pain for its own sake, but it's pain as the, as the teacher. 
I don't like being in my body. Ah, like what's happening? Tell me about that. I mean, I'm talking to myself now, right? Right, right, right. And so, I, 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 I it hurts in here. Why does it hurt? It, I, I don't feel safe. Ah, like what, what, what's unsafe? And then, and then, and then I get to bring that love into that experience. But I can only heal one truth, and that's my own. That's all that I can, that's all that I can care for and heal. It's part of the, the, the division and the suffering that we're in in this country right now in the world. Right. Is that we're so still fixed on like wanting to control and do everybody else, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, personally, <clears throat> in terms of my own politics, it's like it's a suffering for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Ah, I, like, all the hate and the, it's like, but you know what? The only truth that I get to interact with is my own. Right. And then when we look there, we're often finding like, oh, I was, <laughs> I was doing that thing of wanting to control everyone else because now if I, if I stop doing that, then I recognize that I have to do that. I'm still trying to control myself. Yeah. Yes. You know, like, oh, I'm still not surrendering. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or that, or that, you know, it's funny, as I think I told you, I did this Facebook live thing today in my bed with, you know, morning breath yeah. and that was the best thing. To me, there's value in, um, in, in, in messy and raw, right. right? And that, and that what I know is that when I wanted to, when I, I'm trying to look good, what I'm really trying to do is control your reaction to me. Mm. Oh, that was so powerful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in, and you asked a question a few moments ago that I want to go back and answer because I feel like I owe it to my listeners to be truthful and, and raw and so you asked me what happened after that realization. Mm-hmm. And um, mm. I'm still on the journey. Mm. I mean, that was, that was many years ago. Like that was, you know, four or five years ago. Or I, mm-hmm. I'm doing quick math here. But I lived in house um, after my divorce. And after my divorce, I put myself into um, Hakomi therapy, which is like a body-based mm-hmm. therapy. Mm-hmm. And I started taking trauma trainings mm-hmm. as, a, as an educator at the time. And I was already doing like mindfulness and that kind of thing. So I had these personal practices. But as I learned more about the trauma and how the trauma is held in the body, um, yeah. I began... a a big journey with that. And I'm talking about like every single day journey. And I took a journey with embodiment. Um, I did not even know what that was, you know, like five, Mm -hmm. six years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was so disconnected from my body and so at war with Primarily my stomach, but with my body and mm-hmm. wanting, like craving my whole self, craving my whole truth. I looked like someone who owned her truth. I looked like a badass. Like I, you know, uh, yeah. I was really rocking it um, outwardly. And then I had terrible anxiety. I had, um, I was scared of lovers. I was scared of intimacy um and so the walk back to myself and to embracing my stomach like it's ongoing I recently started a new relationship it's very very beautiful and blessed and um and my old shit came up with like 
am I safe here? Is my, is my belly safe here? Um, and then this is really kind of vulnerable and like, I'm, I'm totally willing to put it on my podcast that I, it was revealed to me, like I'm talking within the last few months, mm-hmm. um, that my relationship with food was mm-hmm. still distorted. And I'll even say like minorly disordered. Mm. Um, because I was, I would only eat certain foods in certain situations. So to manage the reaction of potential IBS. And that was something that I had Mm. learned to do subconsciously, you know, throughout my twenties, um, and thirties. And then, and then I was like, Oh my God, I'm still doing this. And I was actually, um, it was reflected to me, like, because I continue to invest in, um, retreats and therapies and, uh, you know, all these different modalities. And so I was very, very appreciative of that mirror to say like, wow, um, wow, body, <laughs> like we're, we are, um, we have, a, we have a, a thing here to, to go through together. And so I've been, yeah journeying with like, well, why am I making this decision about food? And how do I feel about myself? And why am why am I even eating? Or where what here it is, here it is. What is my relationship to nourishment? Like to true nourishment. And so that has become, you know, one of my guiding um like core desires for 2020 is nourishment. Oh my so. God. I just love you, I love you like a oh, hundred different ways right now. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, just first, Sarah, thank you. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah. Because it's not like we have it like all figured out. We're just, no. like, we're just still in it. <laughs> no, and, you know, and I, it's like, I really, I'm loving you a hundred and five different ways right now because I wanted first, I just have this reverence for the gift that you gave me of being able to witness that, because I know in my own way, something of what you say. And when you just speak that, my whole soul goes, oh, it just rests. And I don't have to be alone. I don't have to be unique. I'd like, thank you. I don't have to be perfect. Like thank you, Sarah. Right. So there's just that right away. And, And there's like such power to me in like seeing like this woman just speak. Right. And, and so like we talked about the red tent and the sacred sisterhood of the mm-hmm. your gorgeous podcast, we keep stepping at the edge of vulnerability and, and truth speaking, mm-hmm. and we get more powerful when we do exactly. that, which, you know, which, which to me is actually that last piece. And when you talked about, I mean, you just, to me, described exactly the, the answer to the question I think you asked at the beginning of our conversation. Okay. Exactly what it is. <laughs> But that, but that, that when you had that witness, when you did the hakomi, when you had that curiosity, when you were with what you are and how you are, right? That you then found this question about nourishment and being intimate with love in a bigger way to actually wake up even more to like just all of the love that is the truth. Right. Instead of trying to control, right? Because, and that's what I was kind of referencing with the control is yeah. that when I wake up to that, I'm looking at, oh, I'm trying to control my situation and my body so that I feel a certain way. And that, oh, you know, yes, um, yeah. one more piece of old programming that's looking to heal. 
Oh God, the food thing. Yes. Yeah. Right. And it, which is why my sweet friend made me so nuts because I'm still at that edge of feeling like I fought for, no, food is, I like food. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, having deprived myself. I love food. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> years ago, someone asked me, I don't get it. Are you a vegetarian? Are you not a vegetarian? What the hell are you? And, um, and, uh, and I said, I can't, I, I should come up with a clever phrase. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a me, what I'm a, I'm a self, any selfie in or something, you yeah. know, but sometimes macaroni and cheese is the right thing. For oh, me. so good. Yeah. And sometimes the right thing for me is to fast, you know, and, um, and it's like, it's the only truth we get to interact with is our own. Is listening to the body. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Your beautiful, unique, never before, never again body. Think about right. it. Right. It's, a, it's a physical fact. Your unique body has never existed. Your nose, your eyes, your colon, it's never been exist. It's never been before and it never will be again. So the infinite is existing in your uniqueness. Mm, yes. And how, right? and how, yeah. And how are you interacting with the holder of God? <laughs> like, you know, Absolutely. Or, or spirit or the universe. Right. Like this How's is the soul happening? house. Yeah. Yeah. You Janet. Container. Okay. Yeah, I want to go to one. I want to go one more place before we finish up. And and mm-hmm. I we did not talk about this beforehand. And I'm like, Janet will go here with me. I just trust that Janet will go here with me. Okay. <laughs> We've never gone here before. But um, I want to talk about blood. Mm. I want to talk about our cycles. Oh. Oh, and yeah. this is coming up. You know, so I'll I'll put two things out there as to like why I'm asking this question right now. Yeah. Um, I have a mastermind group of women and one of the women just started very vulnerably, very beautifully talking about her relationship with her cycle and her blood and how um, there was shame uh, her whole life associated with that. Mm. And, um, you know, also, so, and currently I'm bleeding, you know, today's a new moon as we record this. Mm. Um, It's very, I'm very in touch with and grateful for my cycle at this, at this time. Mm. And um, I recently said to my partner, I said, I don't have sex during this time. Like my body's doing something else during this time. Mm. And, and I said, here's another like big share on a podcast. I said, mm. and I offer my blood. So if I'm going to be on your land while mm-hmm. I'm bleeding, what is a good place for that? Like, or is that my decision? You know, but like, here's how <laughs> this is my, this is my practice. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. You know? yes. yeah. And so, so he and I were able to, have, he's like, okay, well, what does this mean? And why do you do it? And, mm-hmm. and so I just right now I'm like tapping into the wide range of relationships and potential battleground that we have with our cycle and with, with our blood. And Mm -hmm. so I'm just wondering what you might have to say about that. Oh, thank you so much for the question. It almost brings tears to my eyes. I've stopped bleeding. um, But I hold something called the red tent every month. And maybe some of your listeners know it's a, it's a worldwide movement now that Ah. really, was reawakened around 20 years ago by a that couple book. of <laughs> Yes, it was inspired yeah. by 
Edmund's Book of Red Tent, which is about, you know, it's a fictionalized account of Ruth of, of when we would gather together in a red tent when we were bleeding. Mm-hmm. And there was a sense of sisterhood. And, you know, the work would stop, the goats would stay outside, the babies would stay outside. We would just sit and brush each other's hair and rub each other's feet and bleed together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was a beautiful time of connection. So in this account, right? And so there's this movement in the world now to hold space once a month for that that energetic truth mm-hmm. which is that and i love that you end this with this question because your podcast is about the divine feminine mm-hmm. and so you know we're at a time where we recognize that the experience of the feminine may not even be experienced by someone who's born female but that archetype is a real truth we would not be here if the bleeding did not happen thank you we we exist because of life blood that we know in the feminine truth as a monthly experience of life and death. There is no greater act of creativity than what happens in our wombs as women and as, yeah. as, as the feminine. And, you know, in the body and, and, you know, and again, you know, having held the red tent and having had to over time say, if you identify as a woman, you know, if they're a woman, there's this, this sort of beautiful edge of this new dawning awakening, which I think is a whole separate astrological conversation where we are on the planet in time, mm-hmm. you know, that we're, we're coming more into Kanukyo, we're coming more into the, the, the merging of the feminine and the masculine so we can come into the one. Mm-hmm. But as long as there still is a biological difference of the masculine and the feminine, mm-hmm. there is something that is rich and true in the biological female and the biological female bleeds. Mm-hmm. And um, that is sacred. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, oh my God, there's a hundred things to say about that, mm. except just yes. And it's messy. It's sometimes uncomfortable. And it's um, complicated. And it's, it's vulnerable. And yes, welcome to your femininity. Welcome mm-hmm. to your divine truth. You know, as I'm a crone, for those of us who speak sort of blood talk, I no longer bleed. And what that means to me is that, and I went through a stage of, of grieving. I actually mm-hmm. felt the longing to have that purging experience. It was surprised myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, I, I actually am very grateful that I did not have a lot of menopause. I had really almost no menopausal symptoms, I believe, because I was deep in the breathing practice, which mm-hmm. they know affects hormones. I mean, that's, it doesn't mean that if you do have menopausal symptoms, you're not, you know, whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, how we interact with that. Um, so I'm in this crone stage where I'm not actually bleeding. And what I understand it to be, and it's funny, actually, I'm, I am, in fact, go, I'm leading a, a red tent at a maiden mother crone uh, mm. workshop next month. But um, as a crone, all of that creativity that the blood represents, I get to hold in me all the time. I don't have to release it once a month. Mm. Ooh, it's just thank in you. me. I am always sourcing. You know, if you want to know what it is to be sexy, ask a crone. Because mm. I don't care anymore. I don't I don't have to I don't have to accommodate, 
You know, I I no longer need to be waiting for you to tell I me, mean, not you, the man, the other, the woman. Mm-hmm. Tell me that I am seen and, and in the intimate, I am intimate with myself all mm. And so, you know, the blood, she represents the self, the true self, you know, and it's why this maidenhood, this moment that we start to bleed is a sacred time, because that's an awakening. That's a now you know the ancient truth, that life, your whole self is in you rising and falling at every moon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the time that we're closest to, it's the time that I feel closest to the sacred. Yeah. I go in, I want to be quiet as a mm-hmm. entrepreneur who makes my own schedule. Mm-hmm. I can do that, you know, every four weeks. I know that I'm not in yeah. a generative mode. I'm in a resting mode, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know, and it, it informs my, my work and how much energy and effort I'm putting out. Now, I wasn't able to do that when I worked in schools. Like, you know, every day is a schedule and you're going for it. Right, right. Um, but I think this, you know, to take back this reverence of this time mm-hmm. and to maybe schedule less for women and um, listen more. You know, I would I didn't realize that for a while. So I started to take it back. I was like, oh, this is the time for listening. Mm. And um, Danae Elder, Pat McCabe, who I, I really respect very much, she talks about this, how mm-hmm. this is the time where the veils are the, the thinnest and, mm-hmm. and our access to spirit is um, most readily available. And so you're saying that mm-hmm. when you're finished bleeding, you feel that all the time. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, um, thank you. Um, and, you know, I just, and I, and I just want to amplify something that I heard you say which is that, you know, when you hear it and you understand this idea that either the veils are thin, to me that, you know, that very concept is that you're also exposed to shadow and to the dark. Mm-hmm. And that this practice of what, it, what I call the practice of now, which is my business, or, you know, this being all that you are, tolerating the fullness of now, is to know that you are also dark. You know, that you also have all of the feels and so that's why it's not some concept of being pretty. It's not some concept of being spiritual. It's actually the experience of being whole yes. and being just who and how you are. And so this veils thin so that you actually are exposed and open to all of you, which is in So thank you for being with us in this podcast. (laughs) You know, like you're in this, you know, even as we speak, although I know it's a recording, the energy of what you're bringing, you know, I I bow to. Thank you. Like, thank you for being in your your big truth. And then also still inviting us to be with you. That's mm. that is like that's a that's a priestess path. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Thank you for participating so wholeheartedly in this truth telling <laughs> and exploration. Ooh, I feel good. So good. <laughs> Trembly and awake and grateful. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Me as well. I would love for you to speak um, where folks can find you on the yeah. web. 
Yes, you know, it's just my name, JanetFarnsworth.com. And, you know, I also have a website, which is thepracticeofnow.com. The beautiful Eckhart Tolle uh, also has sites that are similar. So you might find, Mm -hmm. but if if you put in the practice of now and Janet Farnsworth, you'll find me. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and my book is Love Your Body, and it's coming out in print. It's on Amazon. I also would be delighted to send your listeners a free copy. It would give me great joy if you just contact me at jennifarnsworth.com. Please let me send my book to you. That so is so generous. Well, Thank you so much. I'm grateful that you create this space. I'm grateful that you have created an environment where you are reaching out so that women can hear and be inspired to live their fullest, most awakened lives. What a, what a joy. Like, thank you for changing the world. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So good to meet you and be with you today. Yay. Have a gorgeous day, my loves. You too. <laughs> Thank you, Janet, for being here today. Thank you, listeners, and thank you for going to all of the places that we went in this podcast. If you'd like, you can go on over to the Sacred Remembering Facebook group. It's free. You can let us know what you thought of the episode, ask any questions, and engage conversation. We'd love to have you. Also, if you were struck by anything in this podcast and want to support its continuation, you can support at Patreon slash Sarah Poet, and any donation is really welcome and simply puts an energetic behind this movement. So thank you for even a 5 or $10 donation a month. It makes a lot of difference, more than you'd think. Thank you so much. See you next week. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com, for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path of sacred remembering.